prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. As usual, we have uh, probably a very interesting discussion. You're not going to hear any, anybody else's podcast. I can assure you of that. We, um, I've worked very hard to differentiate the content when it comes to the ketogenic diet because there's plenty of zealots out there, and quite frankly, uh, people who just get it completely wrong. Um, I've tried to con- contribute some balance to the the discussion. We've talked about the appropriateness of being in ketosis from a hunter-gatherer standpoint. Um, we talked about the risks of uh, having offspring while in ketosis, the potential for epigenetic inheritance, uh, unwanted effects passed on to your children. You know, we love to say food is medicine. But then we ignore the fact that you wouldn't abuse medicine, and yet so many people abuse food. And quite frankly, the ketogenic diet stands to become the next vegan diet because there's so many zealots. And I'm, I'm sorry to use this word, but there's a lot of idiots out there. They're just doing stupider and stupider stuff in the name of the ketogenic diet. The man who broke the news on this show that beef is the only food that actually increases telomere length that apparently the mainstream media ignores uh, is going to be with me in just a moment, and that's Patrick Dolan from Black Belt Nutrition. Before we do that, of course, I have to thank our title sponsor, All-American Pharmaceutical and EFX Sports. Uh, Right now, you can get six of their top-selling products absolutely free. Go to superhumanradio.net, click the uh, EFX banner ad, enter your name and address, and you will pay $5 and change for shipping, but you'll get just an amazingly exciting uh, group of products. Uh, people want to know if they can get it again, and you can, absolutely, if you just pay the $5 shipping again. Dr. Jeff Galini believes that no one should buy a product until they've tried it, and hence, this is what he does. Patrick Dolan, welcome back to Superhuman Radio. How are you doing, my friend? I'm fine. Thanks for having me, Carl. Of course, of course. And, and you, you know, one of the things I like about you and, you know, I'll email Patrick sometimes, and I'll just say, Patrick, what are you most passionate about right now? Because I know Patrick is an exact, exact example of what we're looking for uh, in nutrition today, and that is sensibility and open-mindedness and, and not an agenda-driven, oh, it's keto or nothing type of a thing. And as a result of that, Patrick's research is always exciting, always fresh, always new, and always changes the discussion. So when Patrick said he wanted to come on and talk about keto again, I was like, really? Is there anything new? And Patrick, of course, says, oh, my goodness, there's so much new stuff that no one is talking about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So where, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with uh, a basic introduction to ketosis so that people who aren't aware uh, can kind of come up to speed very quickly? Yes, I think think that would be a good start. So uh, ketosis is something that occurs when uh, you don't have enough carbohydrates 
for example, if you eat a low carb diet or if you're simply fasting, so you don't have any access to carbohydrates. And the reason for this is that most of your body can use uh, sugars and fat to, uh, to burn as fuel. However, fat cannot really reach to the brain, so the brain is dependent on glucose. So in the absence of carbohydrates, uh, the body needs to get fat to our brain, uh, simply because fat is the way we store energy. Uh, even if you're very lean, most of the energy you have stored on the body is in form of fat. We can't store much as carbohydrates. <clears throat> we store some as protein, but that is mainly, mainly in the muscles, and the body really defends that. The body doesn't want you to burn muscle, simply because from evolutionary perspective, if you become weak, you become food. <laughs> if you become weak, you become food. I want to yeah. quote you. That's great. <laughs> I know. I believe that too. Okay. So when we look at energy reserves in general, the greatest form of energy reserves comes in the form of, of, of fats bonded to sugars, right? They, these, are, these are triglycerides, right? Or triglycerol, right? Yeah, so they're bonded to a glycerol, which formally speaking is a, is a sugar alcohol and, and not a pure sugar. Right. And and this presents the greatest reserve in our body, for right? Because we only uh, only about 1% of our energy reserve can be derived from muscle glycogen and liver glycogen, right? Yeah, that's correct. And our body also can use amino acids, but yeah. those amino acids must undergo... A gluconeogenesis, and a lot of people within the ketogenic community avoid protein because they're afraid it's going to turn into sugar. But gluconeogenesis is a very expensive, metabolically expensive process. The possibility of eating a steak and seeing glucose levels rise to the equivalent of eating white bread, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, usually it is. Uh, if, if, you, if you have some metabolic syndrome like diabetes type 2, it could be different, but generally speaking, pro the body doesn't want to convert protein to, fat, uh, to carbohydrates. Uh, that is why it produces ketones instead uh, from the fat, because fat is the primary energy storage. Now, now, would you agree with this statement? I've been propo proposing this on the show now for a long time. Uh, everybody feels that the ketogenic diet has to be done this way or that way. But isn't it true that any diet that produces ketones technically is a ketogenic diet so even some high protein diets are ketogenic right indeed true i mean as with any diet you can do the vegan diet in 10 different ways so can you do with a ketogenic diet so the reality is that um and, and would you also agree agree with some of the concepts that i promoted in the recent past with joel green that um that the need to be uh in these ridiculously high levels of ketone production you know two three four millimole that people are striving for it's almost like a contest now who can be in the deepest ketosis these may not be more beneficial unless you're fighting cancer uh, or or seizures but for the average metabolically flexible person being in a half to one millimole of ketone production is probably adequate to feel the benefits that we're going to discuss about being in ketosis right yeah, that's true. It, it's not like science know the exact level which is the optimum. Everyone makes up their own kind of this is the optimal ketosis. But what we do know is that uh, most triggers, ketones do trigger a number of genetic expressions and so on. Most triggers starts at around 0.5 to 0.7 millimolar. And, and one, more, one more supposition that I want you to correct me on. 
but I, I stopped eating at 6 p.m. at night, and I don't eat again until I, after I train. I just actually ate my second post-workout meal moments before the show. So I average a good 16-hour fast every single day. And when I wake up in the morning, my blood sugar is anywhere from 67 milligrams to 72, and my ketone levels are anywhere from half to 0.7. So I, I am probably an example of what would, we would consider a metabolically flexible person. I can produce ketones on demand very quickly, uh, and, and, I, and I can train fasted. I don't get weak. I don't get lightheaded. So I, I have actually exploited our, our evolutionary gift, have I not? Yes, indeed, true. For people uh, that haven't been in ketosis, well, m- most of us have been that when we were born. But besides that, if you just eat carbohydrates every third hour for your entire life, uh, it might take several weeks to wake up this genetic code for the first time. But once you've done it and done it multiple times, the body will be faster and faster to adapt. Okay. So now let's talk about um, the next topic that you want to cover, which is the macronutrient formulas that maintain a ketogenic diet, okay? So in order to actually eat in a way, in order to get into and stay in ketosis, what, what are the, the, the ratios considered? Yes, so this is a, a question you can address in a number of ways. But from a meta- metabolic point of view, uh, you need about 120 grams of sugars a day in form of glucose for the brain mainly. When you're not in ketosis. So if the glucogenic substrates, so that is anything that be converted to carbohydrate, is, if that is lower than 120 grams, uh, the body will consider to start to produce ketones to cover up for this gap. So basically, if you take the carbohydrates you eat, let's say you eat 50 grams of carbohydrates, then you have 50 grams right there. And also sugar alcohols need to be included here because they are directly converted to sugars. Really? When absorbed. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. I don't want to gloss over this because a lot of ketogenic dessert products use sugar alcohols to sweeten them. So you're saying to me I know. that yeah. in, a, in a ketogenic state that sugar alcohols equal sugar? Yes, even if you're not in a ketogenic state because uh, when you take a sugar and oxidize, oxidize it, you get a sugar alcohol. Uh, the first thing the body will do in the body is simply to reverse that reaction and turn and turn it back to the original sugar. That is the first step of all, virtually all sugar alcohols. Eritreol is different because the body cannot utilize it, but pretty much everything else, else the body can uh, utilize. So people who are in the ketogenic diet who are gobbling down keto desserts that are high fat and high, have very, very high levels of sugar alcohol are doing themselves a great disservice. Yeah, I mean, when I work with uh, with clients, which I do sometimes, um, anytime anyone says they are following a strict keto diet but don't have any ketones, uh, sugar alcohols is the most common mistake people do, that they pound in these sugar alcohols. But you have to count them as, as, as carbohydrates. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so now let's talk about protein and, and, and gluconeogenesis one more time for a second. In the context yeah. of – okay, so if I'm eating 30 grams – of carbohydrates a day, and I am not eating any sugar alcohols, let's just say, uh, but I am eating uh, 250 grams of protein a day in the, in the form of whole foods, beef, chicken, eggs, that sort of stuff. Will my body just top off 
between the 30 and 120? Or will it actually produce a lot more glucose from the protein I'm eating, thus kicking me out of ketosis? Normally, if you if you don't have any metabolic syndrome or so, uh, the body will just take a part of the protein and convert it. And this is the tricky part because this ratio, how much the body, of, how much of the protein the body takes to make carbohydrates of, this ratio is very different from person to person. For carbohydrates, we know it's virtually 100 percent. For fat, we know it's about 10 percent. But for protein. Uh, it can be anything from zero to not 100%, but very high up. If, for example, for some people that have type 2 diabetes, they convert protein to glucose uh, very easily. And that makes sense because to them, 120 grams of sugar a day or glucose a day is not enough to power their brain because their brain is also insulin resistant. So the brain is going to keep on turning on gluconeogenesis until it's satisfied. That's interesting. So... When we look at people who are already metabolically deranged, uh, higher protein intake may not be great for them. At least not initially. Uh, if you start with the low protein content, get into ketosis, and with low I mean perhaps uh, one gram per kilogram of body weight, uh, get into ketosis, then you can increase this and see if you get kicked out or not. Uh, many people can go at two and three grams, or, uh, grams of protein per kilo body weight without getting kicked out. Uh, but that usually is for people that are training. If you're just sitting home watching TV, you probably need to stick to one gram. Okay. Okay, so now let's talk about macronutrient profiles for a second. There's lots of different ketogenic diets out there. But in the meantime, to go back to my earlier statement, any diet that promotes the production of ketones is the ketogenic diet. But some people want to be in the one and a half or two millimole uh, range of ketones a day. I don't know why. I don't know. Is there a benefit to me? And who, who benefits from being at 0.7 versus 2 millimoles? Uh, there might be medical reasons. For example, if you're fighting cancer or epilepsy. Uh, if you are also an endurance athlete that want to use uh, ketones as primary fuel when you're running for 5 hours or 10 hours or something like that, uh, then the level will also have uh, be important because if you're up in in two, three, four millimolars, uh, you will have more energy compared to if you're down at one. Yeah, but but wait a minute. If I'm metabolically flexible, I don't have type two diabetes. I'm not metabolically deranged, and I'm cruising around most days at 0.7 to one millimole. But now I start to run for two hours, and I'm not eating carbohydrates during this run. Won't my body naturally upregulate the production of ketone bodies to satisfy my need for energy? Uh, that is indeed true. So you need to check when you're exercising if you want to know how much energy you're taking from ketones when you're exercising. So that is indeed true. It's just as, as blood, sh blood sugar. You might have a low blood sugar, but if you start to do anaerobic exercise, your blood sugar will go up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, because the body during, will, during, right, right, the body will start producing exercise. more sugar. Right, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So what, so what do you find the ideal ratios of carbohydrates, protein, and fat as compared to the way people mostly eat on the, the Western diet? I, I tend to be a little bit careful to say what is the optimal ratio. One thing that I like with the ketogenic diet is that it is the only diet that you can measure and see if you are uh, complying to it or not. 
if someone comes to me and they try to lose weight and they use a, a low-fat diet or a vegan diet or glycemical index diet, whatever, uh, and they say they stick to it, I cannot check if they stick to it or not. If they say they're running on a ketogenic diet, we can take a blood sample and see if they're sticking to the diet or not. Yeah, because obviously if they're not producing ketones. But there are people out there who eat a high-fat very, very low carbohydrate, very, very low protein diet, but yet they still tend not to be able to lose body fat. Is there a, is there a reason for that? I see this often now. The most common reason is that people aren't in ketosis to start with. And if you're not in ketosis, uh, the body will uh, have to sh- take much more protein and convert it to, to glucose compared to if you are in ketosis. Because when you start to produce ketones, I said before that you're daily need is about 100, 120 grams of glucose. But when you produce ketones, uh, you're producing like 70 or 80 grams of ketones a day. So that means that suddenly your need for glucose is only 40 or 50 grams. It decreases. So that means that the body doesn't need to take protein to convert to glucose. So being in ketosis, approximately you save about 70 to 100 grams of protein, available protein to build muscle, for example, so if you're eating 100 gram of protein and they're not in ketosis, and then you eat 100 gram of protein and become in ketosis, that corresponds to 200 grams of protein when you're not in ketosis. You save about 100 gram of protein when the ketones kick, kicks in. Oh, wow. That's, in, that's interesting. That's really and, and that is why some researchers say that you don't need to eat much protein because the body's the available protein will be much higher but of course, you can do that if you, unless you have some metabolic syndrome, so you just convert it to sugar. Ah, yes, that's right. It gets it gets siphoned off. So, do we see a, any crossover from the research on um, fasted exercise, fasted training, and even uh, multiple day fasts? And what happens based on your ability to produce ketone bodies? So, for instance. Like Dr. Stuart Phillips' uh, group at McMaster's University, we talked about this study many years ago, showed that amino acid pools are recycled after resistance training while fasted. But does that happen with the metabolically compromised person? Because they're going to turn those amino acids into sugar, right? Yeah, that's true. You you need... uh... I mean, if you're not eating enough protein or if you're fasting, the body tries to recycle amino acids. But it can only do that to a great extent if you also have ketones in the game. Because without the ketones, the body will lack 120 grams of uh, carbohydrates a day, which it needs to take from protein. So it means it will take 120 grams of protein from you a day just to produce the carbohydrates if you're fasted. But if you have ketones, uh, the requirements for glucose decrease, uh, and then the body will recycle much more amino acids. You you know, something else I'm starting to wonder about, but I wonder if it's, you know, when we talk about ketone bodies, and we're going to talk about ketone synthesis now, when we talk about ketone bodies, these are all acidic. These are all acids, right? And I'm just wondering if uh, metabolic acidosis in someone who's long-term ketogenic is a concern because they're not getting a lot of the minerals. They're definitely not getting bicarbonate from their diet if all they're eating is high fat and, pro- and some protein. Um, do, do, we, do we need to be concerned about metabolic acidosis when someone is even metabolically flexible but on a, a long-term ketogenic diet? 
It's possible. We, we don't have any clinical trials from uh, for decades of eating ketogenic diet. We have some people, some some that are eating this way, but they haven't really been followed in a controlled way. Uh, generally speaking, if you have normal levels of ketones, and there's two ketones. Um, the first one that is produced is acetoacetate, and that comes from something called acetylcoenzyme A. That is the first step in ketosis. And from acetoacetate, beta-hydroxybutrate is formed. So this is a linear chain of reactions that take place. And beta-hydroxybutrate is not that acidic. That is why it is the primary ketone. Acetoacetate is more acidic. Uh, but you, you can have levels... Basically, if you look at sugars, if you have 50 millimolar of sugar, is that healthy? No, it's not. It's the same with ketones. If you have 50 millimolar of ketones, it's not healthy. The ranges are pretty much the same for what is good or, or perhaps bad for you. Interesting. Wow. And then acetone is actually a byproduct of, of acetoacetate, and that's what you expel in your lungs where people use breathing uh, to evaluate their, their ketone levels, right? Indeed, correct. So uh, acetone, uh, acetoacetate isn't perfectly stable, so it splits in half and then acetone is formed, uh, which is good because then we can easily measure it through the lungs, as you say. But when you do these breathing meters, what you see, you're measuring acetone, but what you're seeing indirectly is the level of acetoacetate, not beta-hydroxybutyrate. And that's very important to remember because there are two different uh, ketones. And they are regulated very differently. Beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, is regulated both from internal mechanism in the cell, but also from hormonal mechanism like insulin, where acetoacetate uh, is not so much influenced by hormones. So you can get stuck in a state where you only have acetoacetate, but then you have high insulin, so you don't get any beta-hydroxybutyrate, for example. You know, there, there are several people, including Dr. D'Agostino, have done this experiment in-house where they've taken uh, ketone esters, and insulin at the same time and actually gotten blood glucose levels down to 40 milligrams, which is normally where, I mean, you'd be in a diabetic coma if you had blood sugar levels of 40 milligrams per liter. Uh, But by elevating the the ketones, uh, they were stable. And and some scientists did this many years ago, and I I think Dominic just reproduced the results. But is, um, do you think that, um, type 1 diabetics would benefit from either ketone supplements or the ketogenic diet if it requires less insulin to be stable? At least ketogenic diet, there are some research on diabetes, uh, and it seems to be one of the better ways to, to reverse diabetes. It no, 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 but, ty- but ty- type 1 diabetes is complete oh. failure of the pancreas. They're, they're not producing any insulin anymore. no. Did you ask about type 2 or type 1, by Type the way? 1. I said type 1. Do you think type oh, okay. 1 diabetes, if a person eats more ketogenically, that they would have a more stable, lo- lower use of, of exogenous insulin, obviously, more stable blood sugar if they ate uh, uh, ketogenically because the uh, presence of ketones would lower the requirement for insulin? Yeah, I believe so, but I have to say there is not much clinical uh, trials done in this area. You would, of course, have to be careful to not enter in ketoacidosis if you have type 1 diabetes. But personally, I believe it, it will be beneficial. So, yeah. so give us, give us the, the 30,000 foot view of the biochemistry of what happens when our body starts to produce ketones. Yes, yeah, so you have in the cell, you have carbohydrates. And fat and carbohydrates go through the glycolysis, which is uh, 10 chemical stats, steps, and fat comes a different way. But they all co- go to one 
center molecule, which is called acetyl coenzyme A. And here the body decides if you have plenty of carbohydrates, it will take one path and burn the carbohydrates. If you have more fat than carbohydrates, and it actually looks at the ratio, not only how much carbohydrate you have, but at the ratio. That is why uh, medium-chain triglycerides can trigger uh, uh, ketone production, because they go very quickly into the cell and shift the ratio, despite that you're eating carbohydrates. It shifts the ratio temporary, and you start to produce ketones. So the body decides this in the cell, but there are also some hormonal regulation involved in it as well. And the body always burns carbohydrates first, simply because you cannot store them. And it's often that I hear, both from medical people and from, from others, that um, insulin is the key to weight loss, it's the key, key to ketogenic, it's the key to everything. Uh, but insulin is a hormone, and hormones are messengers. So it's not, not really the root cause of anything. Uh, because if you change your carbohydrates to fructose or something that doesn't release much insulin, the body will still behave exactly the same way with or without insulin. So if there's carbohydrate present, the body will burn them first simply because it cannot store them. It knows it has very limited storage of carbohydrates, so it burns it first. Otherwise, it will have to waste it. If it starts to burn fat and then it has carbohydrates over, which it cannot store, it, you will have to pee them out. And from an evolutionary perspective, that is not wise. Today, perhaps it will be, but not, not, this is not how we're designed. Okay, so we're going to wrap up in a second. This is the primer of what ketosis is for people who are still learning about the ketogenic diet, and there's still a lot of people out there. But a couple questions I want to wrap up with. So growth hormone and acetyl-L-carnitine have both been shown to cause uh, both a substrate shift by the mitochondria to prefer triglycerols and, and also in the case of growth hormone, actually shuttle the triglycerides in to the mitochondria. So would these two things be beneficial for someone who wants to jumpstart and maintain uh, a ketogenic state? Uh, yes, if you just look at the biochemistry, the answer would be yes. Uh, do I know if there's anyone have, that have tested this? I actually don't know if it has been conducted in any, any research. Okay. Okay, and then lastly... One day I went to the gym, Patrick, and I accidentally took a high dose of niacin, nicotinic acid, mm. and beta alanine. And I went to the gym and I went into uh, what could only be called a hypoglycemic danger stage. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to lay down on a bench. I was dripping sweat. I was shaking. I was weak. I couldn't move probably for real time, 15 minutes. And then I realized what I had done. Nicotinic acid sequesters free fatty acids in the liver, keeps the, the liver from releasing free fatty acids. Beta alanine actually drives glucose out of the bloodstream. So I drove both fat and glucose out of my bloodstream simultaneously. In that experiment, I realized that nicotinic acid is probably not a good idea to take if you are striving to be in ketosis because changes the way the liver releases free fatty acids. Any inf information on nicotinic acid and, and, and ketosis? Uh, not to my knowledge if you look at uh, clinical testings in humans, but what you say are, are, are making sense. I can, can agree with that. Okay. I want to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, I want to start to talk about some of the new and emerging 
researcher. For those of you out there who are using aspartame especially and some digestant-resistant fibers while eating a ketogenic diet, you're going to want to listen very, very hard to what Patrick has to say. Patrick's website is blackbeltnutrition.com. Is that right, Patrick? Uh, dot, dot .org. Yeah. Dot, dot .org. I'm sorry, blackbeltnutrition.org. And we will release with the show the slide presentation that you sent me, right, Patrick? Can I release that? Yeah. Okay. Of course, of course. So we're going to have a very, a very well done, very thorough slide presentation, but do, none of you, none of you keto zealots steal it and change the name on it. That's all I'm saying right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert. But this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, these bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to Superhuman radio.com and click the quest protein bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars what if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one you'd be dreaming right well you're not dreaming head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one not two but six of their top sellers that's right six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. If you suffer from abdominal bloating, relief is here. Introducing Developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist, it relieves bloating where it starts, in the small bowel. That's why works, while other remedies don't. In clinical trials, 88% of bloating sufferers who use prescription medications with no relief found relieve their symptoms, and it's available without a prescription because is made from a patented molecular combination of botanical extracts. It's not a probiotic. Plus, it's natural, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L Atrontil Atrontil Even the name is proven to make you feel better. Go to lovemytummy.com and use code SHR for 10% off. That's code SHR at lovemytummy.com lovemytummy.com Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over-the-counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. 
go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com. Trojan Horse. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You, too, can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. There's a lot of idiocy out there about the ketogenic diet. I see people on Facebook going, I've been eating keto for seven months now. I can't lose any weight. My hair's falling out. And people are going, increase your fat. People are going, I'm getting depressed on this diet. Take Lipitor. No, if the diet does those things to you, don't eat that way. I mean, this is a very individual thing like all diet is. And getting it right is important. But the zealots, they take everything to an extreme. And that's dangerous. So let's talk about lifespan studies and, and the ketogenic diet. And then I have some theories on why it works out the way it does. Talk about that. Patrick? Did I lose you, Patrick? Patrick, can you hear me? Uh, did you mute, Patrick? Okay, let's play a little music. Hold on a second. Yeah, I can hear you now. We just had to reconnect. It yep, happens. Okay, okay yep. so so um, let's talk about the ketogenic diet and, and, and lifespan first. And, and I have some opinions on why these things work out the way they do. But go ahead, please. Yes, uh, quite recently there were done two uh, my studies on lifespan and ketogenic diet. And this is quite interesting before, because so far, all studies, both on human and animals, they have been quite limited to uh, weeks to months, and some, some have been for a few years. So these two studies uh, that came out within a recent year here, they are both uh, the first of its kind. And the, the results were quite interesting, in particular if you consider that if you put the mice on a ketogenic diet – and look at the 10 most important uh, health parameters. I mean, you might discuss who these are, but let's assume we agree on that. Uh, about half of them improve, and the other half uh, actually does not improve. They get worse. On a human, on the other hand, about nine of them improve, and perhaps one get worse. So mice doesn't do as well as we do on a high-fat diet. We know that. But once again, this is a, a lifelong study, or two of them, actually. And uh, some very interesting things happened here. One is that um, 
premature death or, or diseases decreased, both cancer but also other type of diseases. So the average lifespan increased in these mice. They live longer than their peers who got a regular mice diet. Also interesting in that in one of the studies, the maximum life length also increased. In the other, it didn't. In the other, only the average increased because of less early death. But in one of them, also the oldest mice get, became even older. And the difference was about 12%. So that's the, significant. I mean, we, 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 significant. Can't yeah, we can't translate that to humans, but it will be like eight years if we could. But it's not a linear translation between mice and humans. So that's very interesting, but we also know that you can do this with, this with just calorie restriction. We'll have approximately the same yes, effect. Yes, yes, and and this, and this is this is my supposition. Um, the ketogenic diet. So so the sheer through. Okay, let me back up. The greatest example of our immune system is the fact that we could eat a piece of dead animal and it doesn't kill us. We can extract the nutrition from it and pass all the bad things out, and. The sheer throughput of calories, the volume of food, uh, puts a wear and tear on our immune system. So inevitably, people on the ketogenic diet, in my humble opinion, lose weight when they do lose weight on the ketogenic diet because they're literally eating less energy day in and day out. And this is calorie restriction. The same way that intermittent fasting extends life because ultimately it's it's timed calorie restriction. So calorie restriction, or as Ron Penner likes to say, starvation is very strong medicine. We don't think of it that way, but it really is. Uh, the, 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 I think the ketogenic diet does these things because people end up just simply eating less. What do you think about that statement? Well, it's true that usually you eat less. I mean, uh, if you're losing weight, one way or other, you you have to you can't you can't cheat on the uh, loss of energy. Uh, but what, what the question is, what will the body do with this energy difference? Will it eat your muscles or your fat or your brain, or what will it do? And one thing that was very different in this ketogenic study compared to other studies where where they have used just starvation as method is that in these starvation studies, people become, or people, well, the, the, the animals mainly, become weak. They also lose some muscle mass, so they live longer, but they are a little bit inactive. They lose some muscle, they aren't strong, and so on. This didn't happen on the ketogenic diet. The lean body mass was higher in the mice that lived on a ketogenic diet their entire life compared to their peers who eat a regular mice diet. Interesting. But, you know, regular, the regular mouse diet that we feed mice in cages is very different than what mi mice eat in the wild. So we really, we really need to look at wild mice, uh, uh, you know, tag some wild mice and watch what happens to them. But the other, yeah, thing, the other thing that's interesting is this. When everybody came out about five years ago, four years ago, and said, oh, metformin is the new anti-aging drug, I said, this is a very, very dangerous concept because metformin shuts down the mammalian target of rapamycin and skeletal muscle. So you're going to have people who live long, but they can't get out of a chair because they've undergone muscle wasting for 30 years of their lives. But the interesting thing about the ketogenic diet is that while it does have an effect on mTOR uh, 1C in the liver, it does not have that effect in muscle. Isn't that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. And that's probably what is behind this very, very sensational result they've got, that you increase lifespan and you increase the lean body mass. And they also tested these mice for strength and endurance, and they were stronger and had more endurance at old age compared to the peers. And the, the key here probably is uh, the mTOR signaling, because if you decrease that, you, you should expect longer life, but you become weak and fragile. Uh, so what, what the ketogenic diet does is that it decreases in the liver where you want it to perhaps not be too low, but it actually increases it in the muscle. Uh, and this will be a dream for any pharmaceutical company to come up with a drug that can do this. <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that. And I think there's one other thing that hasn't been documented in research yet, but I predict in the upcoming year or two we're going to learn this. So what I've discovered is lifespan and health span go hand in hand when the innate and adaptive immune system are allowed to rest more often than fighting. The immune system fights wars. And if the immune system is fighting all the time, because you eat foods that you're mildly allergic to, but you don't care. And you do things that you are mildly allergic to and you don't care. And you come in contact with things. And your immune system is always fighting a war. This depletes resources and it shortens both lifespan and health span. I'm convinced of this now. And I'm getting ready to do a show on the drug rapamycin to actually extend life and reverse aging. It's an exciting show. The doctor wants to be... Uh, he wants to be anonymous because he's quite afraid about talking about this. He's been doing this for eight years now with patients, but that's another story. What I've come to the conclusion also is intermittent fasting and even long-term fasting has been associated with a quote-unquote weakening of the immune system. The ketogenic diet is also associated with a weakening of the immune system, and guess what? So is the carnivore diet. If all you eat is meat, the immune system gets weaker. But what we call weaker is actually a balancing. See, people go and take stuff. They go, oh, this is an immune system booster. Why do you want to make the army that's killing you stronger? If you have an autoimmune disorder, the last thing you want to do is make your immune system stronger. And quite frankly, I'm very convinced that the autoimmunity is a bigger killer today than heart disease because it's fragmented into a variety of other diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, Hashimoto's disease, and all these other diseases that all start with autoimmunity. The reality is that I believe that through its uh, indirect calorie restriction and the avoidance of starchy carbohydrates and things that seem to feed bad microbes in the gut, this diet has a direct effect on the immune system by letting it take a day off every so often. What do you think about my assertions just now? No, I perfectly agree with it, that uh, that uh, the immune system, if it has to fight all day long, uh, it will be worn out. You, you can, so when you talk about strong immune system or weak, uh, you can also talk about a relaxed immune system. Yes. If you if you look at a good fighter, a boxer or MMA fighter, he or she is relaxed until that person hits. Then it hits really hard. Your immune system should be the same way. It should be relaxed, not scared like a small rabbit. Right. That is tense all the time. That's a great analogy, and that's exactly what I'm coming to the conclusion of, that people who have immune issues, they are in greater danger 
uh, and, and the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting and even training. Look, how many of us have heard stories about Olympic athletes? The, the harder they train, they, 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 they get sick more often because the immune system is so busy fixing the body from the training that it has no time to do anything else. So they get colds more often and so on. This is not a bad thing. In fact, more evidence of this was a show that I did about four years ago about uh, a doctor who was in Mexico who was putting uh, parasites in people uh, to get their immune system diseases to go away. Because when the immune system was busy fighting the tapeworm, it wasn't destroying the thyroid and Hashimoto's disease. I'm telling you, folks, years from now, we're going to realize the gut and the immune system is the answer to longer, healthier lifespan. And it's not about making it stronger. It's about making it relax. Um, so in, the bottom line is that both the strength endurance went up in these rodents and their lifespan went up in these rodents. But are you a proponent of lifelong ketogenic diets for humans? Well, we we don't have the evidence for that in humans yet. So, uh, but I'm 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 kind of um, splitting my thoughts because from a biochemical point of view, ketosis is uh, has been perfected very much, even more than the digestion carbohydrates. If you look at at the biochemistry, each pathway is just so perfect. Uh, and we don't really know why that is. If, we, if, we, if it really is the diet we're supposed to eat or if it is some other reason behind it. Uh, but if you look at the physiological, physiological and the clinical trials of it, uh, there might be some implication eating ketogenic all life. Uh, you, you might easily get deprived of, or get short on some minerals and so on. Perhaps uh, acidic environment also, even though I think that is... Uh, to some extent, misunderstood because you don't use mineral to buffer acid. Uh, acid is regulated by breathing to 67%. Right, right. So, um, but there is also one other study where they looked at um, a cyclic ketogenic diet where they eat in ketosis for one week and then they didn't for one week. And I think that's kind of interesting because that will give you some hint about if you really need to be ketogenic all your life or if you can be it on or off. And this study also had benefits, uh, in particular on the average lifespan. So there were less uh, premature deaths due to disease. Uh, The cyclic ketogenic diet in these mice didn't prolong maximum lifespan, but it did increase the average lifespan simply because uh, everyone lived to an old age and died more at the same time. Okay, so I did a show probably in 2007 – uh, with a Harvard-trained scientist who came on my show and said that glucose signaling is what causes cellular senescence. Very simple content, concept. Glucose silic- signaling is a, is a response to glucose being introduced into the bloodstream. And when that happens, they, the cells actually age faster. So what if the real answer to all of this, Patrick, is from an evolutionary perspective – we probably, first of all, we didn't have access to foods that would be considered carbohydrates except seasonally in spring and summer. Number two, the foods that we would have eaten probably weren't grains because we didn't know how to grind them up, but they were tubers and they weren't legumes because you had to boil them and green vegetables. The reality is that our diet has shifted to a much more starchy, sugary, 
carbohydrate-based diet year-round? What if the answer is a, a what? Unfortunately, we have to call it a low-carbohydrate diet because if you're eating green leafy vegetables as your carbs, you just can't eat a lot of them. But what if the answer is eating a, a, a more ancestral diet with a lot of green leafy vegetables and doing it seasonally, and as a result of that, you are producing ketone bodies most of the time, like I did, you know, I stop at six o'clock, I eat in the morning after training, I'm producing 0.7 millimoles in the morning when I get up. What if the answer is just eliminating the starchy and cereal grains that the government keeps telling us should be the foundation of our diet? Yeah, you have a point there that basically all diets that in one way or another mimic our evolutionary diet, and it could be by eating pattern or it could be by refined or not refined food or it could be by lower or high carbohydrates. All of these diets that mimic our ancestral way of eating, they extend health span and quite often also lifespan. That's and, true. And, and, and I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, Dr. Mara Di Pasquale is the one who taught me about phasic diets. He looks at ances- our ancestors and says, you know, if they killed a woolly mammoth, they ate that until it was gone. You know, if they, if, 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 in the wintertime, there were no vegetables to eat. And, and, in the win- and in the summertime... They would eat vegetables, but they preferred to eat animal protein because that was the most nourishing. And, you know, I think that uh, the cyclicity of a diet may be just as important as the macronutrients that make it up. I think we're going to learn more about that as time comes on. I want to talk about, uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, digestion-resistant starches and high-fat diets, okay? Okay. Because that's another yeah. thing that we see a lot of in, yeah. in, in quote-unquote keto foods today. Stay tuned. Who ever heard of a supplement company that lets you pick the products they make and sell? What you have now, we are All-American Body, a factory-direct supplement brand proudly brought to you by All-American Pharmaceutical. Don't pay more somewhere else. You can get the same or even better products directly from us. Now check this out. All-American Body is a brand about you. Tell us what to make next so you can save big. Go ahead and request a specific ingredient. You know, arginine, citrulline, vitamin D, a product type or category, keto, greens, naturals, herbals, nootropics, and even a specific brand branded product or formula. We'll either copy it exactly or make it even better. And best of all, it won't cost anything close to what you've been paying, period. And if we do end up using your suggestion, you'll get the first bottle absolutely free. We'll also give you full credit on that product's description page. You'll be famous signing autographs and people asking you to take pictures with them wherever you go. So head on over to allamericanbody.com right now. That's allamericanbody.com and make your product request today. All American Body, crazy savings, insane results. Ever feel like you want something? Something crunchy? From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar now comes the Quest High Protein Potato Chips with 21 grams of high quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest Bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be. Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest Protein Bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert, but this is no ordinary dessert. 
dessert with 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia. These bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars. You've got your devices and apps that track your activity, workouts, sleep, and diet. You have your medical records and blood work. All this data and none of it is integrated, so you can see a true snapshot of just what progress you're making and where. Now you can securely centralize all this data and become the CEO of your health. Heads Up Health gives you powerful dashboards, charts, and tools to connect all your data into meaningful information. One seamless platform. Go to headsuphealth.com today. Use code SHR and get 20% off your subscription. That's headsuphealth.com and use code SHR. For the past four months, I've been keeping a secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with Somnifix strips. That's right. And here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness, and cognitive function. That's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production. And that leads to improved sleep, immunity, carbon dioxide, oxygen exchange, and much more. Oh, and if you do snore, it'll help you stop snoring. Try Somnifix risk-free. Go to somnifix.com forward slash SHR. Get a free trial pack of Somnifix strips today. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. This is the Superhuman Channel, where we use oxygen for the power of good. Welcome back to Superhuman Radio. We're talking with Patrick Dolan. His website is blackbeltnutrition.org. And on the superhumanradio.net website on the page where this show is listed, you'll be able to get a copy of his PowerPoint presentation where he covers in depth the effects of the ketogenic diet on strength increases uh, for, for strength athletes and so on. Very, very interesting stuff. And we'll try to get to that before the end of this interview. But there's two other things I really want to talk about first. Digestion-resistant starches have all become just the rage today. People are pounding them down more and more frequently. But if you're in ketosis, is this a bad idea? Talk about the relationship between the ketogenic diet, uh, digestion-resistant starches, and TMAO, which we know now is an indicator of heart disease. Yes. So this is um, something to look out for. If you're going on on any high-fat diet, it doesn't have to be a ketogenic uh, diet, that uh, this 3-methyl anoxide, um, T-methylamine anoxide, TMAO, uh, we know in, in animal studies that it actually can cause heart disease, and in, in humans so far we only have the correlation, uh, but it's not often we can even show the causality in, in, in rodent studies, so it's something to look out for. And the combination of resistant starch, and resistant starch 
is kind of a fiber, fiber that you mainly find naturally when you eat an, an, an apple or vegetable in general. Uh, they are essentially these sugars connected with a chemical bond, a different chemical bond than our enzymes can, can cleave, can split. However, the gut microbiota is a little bit more stubborn, so they continue to bite these until they can split them and then they eat these. Resistant starch actually does not consist of a different bond between the sugar molecules. It's just that they have unfolded in a way so our enzymes can't really reach them. But this is temperature dependent. So it could be that when you drink a glass of cold water, it is resistant starch. In the stomach, half of it isn't any longer. And down in your digested system, the bugs have a big part of all the processed carbs they got. Because resistant starch basically is processed carbs for your microbiota. Uh, it's different from fibers, but it is kind of a fiber. But here's, but, here's, but, here, but I want to throw something in right here. Now hold, hold your mm-hmm. thought. Don't lose your track here. We are, we are now dealing with a population that has small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and quite often these digest, digestion resistant starches, which normally ferment in the large intestine and the colon, are now fermenting upstream in the small intestine. We don't know the contribution of SIBO to this phenomenon that we're talking about right now. It could very well be that people who have SIBO will develop a cardiovascular risk uh, correlation faster because they are just producing so much more TMAO in the small intestine. Yeah, that's true. It also depends where you have the bacteria. Right. Uh, but what, what I've been seeing here is that when you're on a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet, in particular then, if you take resistant starch, you will produce much more TMA, which is then turned to TMAO. Uh, and that is uh, that is something to be concerned about, I think, because even though TMAO is a quite new indicator, it seems that there are some evidence behind it, some some causative evidence. Uh, we don't know exactly why it caused this, and it probably doesn't cause heart disease uh, uh, any time. There are probably some other factors involved here. And one reason why I believe that is because one of the major drivers of TMAO, um, if you look at just the regular diet, is actually fish consumption. Uh, all vegans talk about meat consumption, uh, but fish is tenfold more. Uh, drives up TMO tenfold more than meat does. And we don't really see that fish uh, consumers go and drop dead that uh, prematurely due to heart disease. So even though there might be a causal link, it seems to be that, there might be some other cofactor that needs to be in or out for it to actually cause heart diseases. But still, I, I'm not so sure I will take the chance and pound in lots of resistance fiber if I were on a, on a high-fat, low-carb diet because we do see that it produced TMA. Well, but, well, but then think about, from an evolutionary perspective, think about the inappropriateness of being on a high-fat, very low-carbohydrate diet and having digestion resistant starches, you wouldn't get those digestion-resistant starches unless you were eating potatoes uh, and legumes and uh, corn. So, so think about this. We're, 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 we're avoiding potatoes, legumes, and corn, but then artificially feeding ourselves in manufactured products fibers that would have been present in those. We don't understand what the ramifications of doing that as well, because that is so antithetical to uh, our, our evolutionary uh, journey. We, we would have never gotten those starches unless we were eating tubers and beans and, and corn and things like that. But now all of a sudden we're getting them in our keto dessert. Yeah, very correct. I mean, first of all, resistant starch, they do exist in nature, but they're not the major part of, 
of our traditional uh, fibers. So, so real fibers are different compared to resistant starch. They exist in nature, but, but they are usually the, the third or fourth number of fiber you find there, and only in some vegetables also. So yes, it's true. We, if, if we were catching an animal eating meat and fat, we wouldn't have found resistant starch at the same time. It would be very, very strange if we did that. Right. And, and then let, let's, let's, one other thing. I don't want to discount the role of the fermentation happening in the small intestine to contributing to some of the risk factors we're talking about. And the other thing I want to point out is that most of us, we go out of our way to make digestion-resistant starches. Oh, we bake our potato and then put it in the refrigerator and eat it the next day because we heard, oh, well, more more of the uh, the sugars turn into digestion-resistant starches. Maybe you should start eating that potato while it's hot. Yeah, you have a point there. We don't know too much about resistant starch. In particular, if we look at artificially highing the amount of resistant starch, I mean, there are studies showing that it improves glucose sensitivity and insulin sensitivity. But on the other hand, most fibers does that. And it could be so simple that when you take this, what I call the processed fibers, because resistant starch is like a party for the bugs. It is like processed carbohydrates for them. They produce more short-chain fatty acids, and that will produce some ketones. And ketones will suppress glucose. So that could be the mechanism behind it. Right. And it's not for sure that you will improve your health because of that if you mess up anything else in your in your eating pattern. So. I want to talk about uh, uh, one other thing during this segment. Then we're going to take a break and come back and talk about uh, how to test for ketones uh, and some tricks like that when we come back. But So there's another thing that people who are interested in the ketogenic diet that should, they should be aware about, and that is the consumption of aspartame. Is that correct? Yeah. All artificial sweeteners seems to change the gut microbiota. And um, there's two things with the gut microbiota. Uh, you shouldn't only look at what happens with, uh, with the bacteria if you get more firmicutes or less, uh, because you have good bacteria and bad bacteria. But it is so that good bacteria can, be, can produce good things or bad things, depending on what you feed them. And bad bacteria can produce bad things or even good things, depending on what you feed them. Uh, this we know from a lot of industrial biofermentation where we use these bacteria to produce uh, pharmaceuticals and so on. Uh, but particularly here with aspartame is that aspartame shifts the ratios of the short-chain fatty acids. So you get much less of butyrate. And butyrate is a uh, fatty acid that is generally considered good for us. It is why, what you have in butter, there of the name butter. So it lowers butyrate, in particular if you're on a high-fat diet. Then it increases propionate threefold. So re- relatively speaking, butyrate and propionate, the difference here is almost fourfold difference if you go on aspartame or not. And you might think, what, ha- what, have that, what has this to do with the ketogenic diet? Yet it is so that propionate, it's a fatty acid, but it consists of only three carbons. Uh, most fatty acids consist of an even number of carbons, 4, 6, 8, up to 18, 20, well, 24, 24 for the, for the omega-3s. But the odd ones, they can be converted into sugar. So propionate can right away be converted into glucose. Oh. So if you instead of butyrate, increase your propionate with four times, uh, if you pound in 100 grams of fiber on that, you might have 50 grams of carbohydrate 
from from the fermentation in your gut. Wow. Instead of perhaps 15 grams, which would be the normal if you did not take aspartame. And uh, I work with so many people, both over the web and and uh, in person, that have said to me, "I'm doing everything right, but I don't see the ketones." So uh, during this springtime, I I tested myself. I did fast for three days. I took aspartame at the same time. Nothing happened. It took exactly 58 hours for the ketones to hit three millimolar, both times with and without aspartame. Then I tried the ketonic diet with aspartame, and it took three weeks to see any ketones instead of one week, which is my normal. And then I found this research because then I knew there must be something else. I knew what to search for in PubMed, and then I found this research. That's amazing. So, so people out there are having bad results with the ketogenic diet, and it could be because of things like they're consuming aspartame. Yes, uh, and that some keto groups uh, encourage the consumption of artificial sweetener, and some don't. They say it doesn't matter. But uh, this, this study clearly shows that it do matter. So, so two, two sweeteners, which theoretically um, the tongue and the brain thinks is sugar, but that's another discussion. Um, but two sweeteners potentially could derail your success with the ketogenic di- diet. The, the first is sugar alcohols, which will become sugars. Yeah. And, 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 and produce glucose, and then aspartame, which will reduce the production of butyrate in the gut, but in turn uh, increase cypionate, you said, right? Yeah, propionate. Yeah. Uh, propionate, I'm sorry, propionate, which then, in fact, will become sugar. Yes. Wow. This is, this is amazing stuff. I don't hear this. On, I don't hear anybody talking about this. Okay, I want to take our last commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about... Home testing, what your opinion of which way to test and what is meaningful. And then we'll also real fast cover the strength gains on a ketogenic diet. Stay tuned. You're listening to Superhuman Radio. We're talking with Patrick Dahl and his website is blackbeltnutrition.org. Check it out. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You, too, can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no obligation phone consultation today feel younger get in better shape and be more productive at renewliferx.com hi i'm ashley grace co-founder of hemp company hemp cbd improved my life so much that i started hemp company to help others naturally feel better you don't have to have had a severe brain injury like me to benefit from hemp company products if you're struggling to feel better calm your brain or better deal with daily stress and want to do so naturally please try hemp company products Search HM Company and use code SHR for 20% off and free shipping. 
That's HEMP Company and code SHR. There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in CanSee eye drops. I've been using CanSee for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using CanSee eye drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse CanSee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how CanSee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch. Superhuman Radio with Patrick Dolan dropping bombs on the keto community. Okay. So um, what's the best way to test at home? Are those uh, that you can buy a very cheap alcohol breathalyzer test? Uh, they're cheap. They're like $10. You can buy them online. And they measure expelled or expired uh, acetate. Is that a good way to test ketone levels? And then the argument becomes blood, urine, expelled in the in the in in, in the the breath. Uh, you really don't know if your body is using the ketones. Yeah. So there's three three main way to to test for ketones for home use. Uh, one is urine, which is the cheapest and uh, the simplest, perhaps. And what you see there is acetoacetate in the urine. So we have two ketone bodies. One is acetoacetate and the other is beta-hydroxybutyrate. And acetone is a, is a by, byproduct of acetoacetate. So you will see the first one in the urine, but you don't really know exactly how much you have in the blood. Uh, that is the downside because you see uh, leftovers, the things that isn't filtrated through, the, through, through right. your kidneys. Right. So after some time, this one might go down, even your ketosis, simply because the body is filtering more into the blood than out to the, to, to, in the urine. But it's very simple. It's, it's a good way to see uh, if you're entering ketosis. If you try to go into ketosis and you do not see any color change on the urine stick, you are not in ketosis. It, it is as simple as that. However, if you have been in ketosis for months already, uh, the, this urine stick might also not show you very strong colors because you're not leaking so much into the urine. 
the next step is uh, to measure the uh, acetone in your breath. Uh, I'm not sure about this alcohol meter you mentioned if they do measure acetone or not, but there are me- uh, measurements that you can devices that you can buy that measure uh, acetone. They usually cost much more than ten dollars, though. Uh, I think this is the best way to measure acetoacetate because it gives you a very direct way. You measure you measure acetone, but there's a direct link. There's like let's say there's one percent of the acetate that uh, turns into acetone. Then you can just multiply it with nine ninety nine to get the ratio. And th- this is done in the device usually. So the breath uh, device, I think, they're very good because you get acetoacetate and you get it quite accurately. And and, 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 all, and also, what you're breathing out means your body is burning it, right? <clears throat> no, this is some kind of misunderstanding that okay. you would you would see. I've heard that this many times, even from from medical doctors. But uh, if you look at the biochemistry, you will have some acetone that drops off from the acetate. So it corres- it correlates with the concentration of acetoacetate in the blood. It doesn't really have anything to do with what you're burning or anything like that. It's simply that acetoacetate isn't stable, so some percentage of, of it will constantly be dropped off as, as, as acetone. So uh, if you compare a blood measurement of acetoacetate, which you cannot use for home, but you have it in hospital, and uh, breath of, ac- of uh, acetone, they correlate very nicely. You get a straight line. So you, so you can see if you have acetate acetoacetate or not uh, directly. Urine is, 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 you have a time lag there also in a couple of hours or more. But still, you do not see beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the primary ketone. This is acetoacetate is formed first, and then from acetoacetate you get beta-hydroxybutyrate. And uh, this last step is regulated by insulin, among other things. So if you're high in insulin, you can get stuck in this half ketosis where you only have acetoacetate but not beta-hydroxybutyrate. Mm. And you really want to achieve full ketosis to have the benefits. Uh, otherwise, you can eat a little bit more carbs and go high protein or, or something else. Uh, doing, trying to do the ketogenic diet but not be in ketosis is actually not the best ketogenic diet at all. You will, lose, right. you, will lose, you will lose a lot of muscle mass if you try that and, and fail with it. So then it's better to do some, something else. So, and to see beta-hydroxybutyrate, the only way to do that is to measure for beta-hydroxybutyrate. And that is, uh, you need to stick yourself in the finger and get draw some blood. Uh, usually you can see the glucose and your beta-hydroxybutyrate on the same device. That's also good. Uh, but it, it costs some. For each, uh, each time you test, it costs some. Uh, I think there are like three, four dollars or something for each. There, each there's test. actually a company out there that's charging a dollar a test strip, which is really, okay. really inexpensive. I can't think of their name right now, but price, there's, yeah. there's somebody out there. Yeah. Mm-mm. But anyway, um, I mean, I'm a biochemist, so I, I do all, all three tests, all two tests. So if you want to geek out on testing, I think you should do both the breath uh, and uh, the blood test because they tell you different things on what is going on. And if I give you an example, especially if you're coaching other people, these two devices are very good to have. So if you, for example, see acetoacetate but no beta-doxybutyrate, that's an indication that they at least are not eating too much carbohydrate, but they are high in insulin still. Mm. If you don't see any acetoacetate, they have too much carbs in their diet somewhere. It could be the sugar alcohols, it could be the aspartame-converting fibers. Somewhere there's too much carbohydrate. You can be sure of that. But if you see it, they are quite good with the carbohydrate, but there is still some regulation, regulatory steps to, to 
can go from acetoacetate to beta-hydroxybutyrate. And it also is so if you look at the relationship, if you do a fast organic diet and you or uh, some subject you work with go up to, let's say, 100 ppm, and then after that they get the uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate in the blood. You do some intervention, some training, you test again half a year later, and perhaps they go up to 50 ppm, and then at that level you see the beta-hydroxybutyrate coming. This now means that this person has become more insulin sensitive, or at least it's most likely cause of, of this mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't, go to, you don't need to go that high on acetoacetate before you get beta-hydroxybutyrate, and that last step is regulated by insulin and other, other hormones. So you can, you, can, you can measure progress and see how you're doing. You can also measure what happens if you eat uh, vegetables only without any carbohydrates, just fibers. Uh, will you produce... Uh, if you do that with a breath meter, will you see any acetoacetate? That means that you're producing butyrate as you should. Uh, or will a lot of vegetables and fibers decrease your ketone levels? That means that you have a, a, a gut microbiota working against you, for example. So there are a number of things you can assess if you have these two devices. Um, I'm looking online right now. There are quite a few alcohol breath testers, and some of them read out precisely. Um, one of them is $30. It's, it, you know, it shows 0.02% BAC. I'm, I'm assuming breath alcohol content. Is there a way to use that and then correlate it to, uh, acetone? I don't think so. Uh, I think you need to buy something that measures acetone. Okay. Cause uh, I, I think these measure, I think breath alcohol testers actually measure acetone. <clears throat> it, it could be that they measure any organic compound of a certain molecular span mm. or weight, so to say. So it could be that it's not precise. Then you could use it. But I have not looked into that if okay. it will work or not. I'm just but, curious. Uh, All right, real, real quick. So talk about the relationship of the ketogenic diet and acquisition of strength. There's a lot of people out there who think that uh, where, where strength athletes come into play, the ketogenic diet may not work for them. Yeah, that's true. And this has been the big question for the last, I don't know, 10 years on forums and so on and on lectures when I've talked about it because we haven't had any studies on it. We know anecdotally that in the 60s and 70s, many bodybuilders were, in fact, eating something that looked like a ketogenic diet. They didn't use that name. But if, if you just search YouTube, you will find a lot of these old-timers that worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger and so on. They were eating vegetables and meat and, and no carbohydrate, carbohydrates. But now for the first time we have a study here also, not just some YouTube videos. And this study, among others, uh, Jeff Bullock and Domi- Dominic Agostino was in the same study, and I really like these two researchers. It's cool to see them in the same study. So what they did is that they put people on a 10-week training program, weight uh, training, so lifting weights, and half of them were on a ketogenic diet and half of them were not. And then after these 10 weeks, they also refed both groups. So they were on the standard diet for one week. And uh, that's kind of smart to do because um, when you go on a ketogenic diet, you lose some muscle glycogen and therefore some water. It's also very anti-inflammatory and that also makes you lose fluid. So when you do this standard test, it looks like you have lost lean body mass, but in fact you have lost some water and perhaps Mm. got rid of some inflammation. But it turns up as, as loss in lean body mass. Uh, but by refeeding them and then check after one week again, you, you can then see, uh, so to say, the actual change of lean, of lean body mass, compare the groups more, more um, accurately, in my mind at least. And quite interestingly, uh, because 
hypothesis has been that in best case ketogenic diet could increase muscle mass and strength and, and some people have said it's just not possible. Uh, but it did increase uh, lean body mass more in the ketogenic diet uh, than it did in the standard diet. At the same time, they lost one, two kilograms of body fat on the ketogenic diet and only one kilogram of body fat in the, in the standard diet. So this is really what you want. You want the, the lean mass to increase and you want the body fat to decrease. And on strength, the ketogenic diet also uh, produced higher degree of strength increases compared to the standard diet. But really? all, these tests I'm, yes, all these tests I'm talking about are after 11 weeks. So they have one week of refed. Uh, that is when the lean mass uh, bumped up, for example. So some people argue that it was the one week with carbohydrate that was the magic. But I'm not so sure if I care. If I, if I follow this protocol for 10 weeks and then eat for one week, I don't care if it's the week with carbs or the week 10 weeks without carbs. That is, uh, makes the magic here. It seems to work, at least in this study, for these subjects. Interesting. Very, very interesting. The website is blackbeltnutrition.org. We will have the complete slide presentation up on the same page that this show exists on superhumanradio.net. So you can get it there. You can reach out to Patrick. Patrick, how should people reach you if they want to reach out to you? Uh, they can go into blackbeltnutrition.org and there is contact me there if they want to okay. reach out to me. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you put into this discussion today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Carl. I like it. We'll talk soon again. We're going to take one quick commercial break, and when we come back, I've got something I really, really want to talk about. It's very, very important to me. So let me see if I can find the music here. Stay tuned. Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenidrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenidrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenidrex, the world world's absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in CanSee eye drops. I've been using CanSee for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using CanSee eye drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse CanSee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how CanSee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. 
You too can benefit from Live On Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. For the past four months, I've been keeping a secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with Somnifix strips. That's right, and here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness, and cognitive function. That's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production and that leads to improved sleep immunity carbon dioxide oxygen exchange and much more oh and if you do snore it'll help you stop snoring try somnifix risk-free go to s-o-m-n-i-f-i-x.com forward slash s-h-r get a free trial pack of somnifix strips today if you suffer from abdominal bloating relief is here introducing Developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist, it relieves bloating where it starts, in the small bowel. That's why works while other remedies don't. In clinical trials, 88% of bloating sufferers who use prescription medications with no relief found relieve their symptoms, and it's available without a prescription because is made from a patented molecular combination of botanical extracts. It's not a probiotic. Plus, it's natural, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L 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 Even the name is proven to make you feel better. Go to lovemytummy.com and use code SHR for 10% off. That's code SHR at lovemytummy.com lovemytummy.com Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. So the Superhuman Nation lost a dear friend, I guess, yesterday. Uh, Clint Gefford was an avid listener, uh, a lover of physical culture, hard training athlete his wife crystal uh, also trained very hard has a fantastic figure uh, and and clint had a very enviable physique i used to look at him and think man i mean this guy is getting close to my age and he looks amazing um clint passed away we don't know why i i messaged crystal but i'm sure that she's overwhelmed right now um so this morning, I found out about, I was at the gym training. My training is going so well right now. Um, and so Elisa said, did you know that Clint Gefford passed away? I was shocked. Because Clint, the, the recent pictures he had up on his Facebook page and pictures I've seen of him, he's muscular, he's lean, and he looks great. So I was standing there with a friend. And I said, can you believe this? This guy just passed away. And he looked at the picture. He goes, my God, the guy looks like so. And, you know, we attribute when someone looks like that, we think to ourselves, this person is like the healthiest person I've ever seen in my life. And well-meaning, he's just a regular guy. He said to me, you think you think it was drugs? And he didn't mean like 
recreational drugs. He thought like bodybuilding drugs. And I said, probably not. Um, to look like Clint, you don't have to use drugs. Clint was hypermuscular. He was lean, but he's trained for so many. I mean, he's trained for so long. And it, it, he doesn't look like a drug-using bodybuilder at all. And I said to my friend, you know, it's really funny. When an average person, a fat person, or even a dad bod person dies, people go, oh, my God, did you hear Joe died? Oh, that's so sad. You know, wow. You know, he was so young, whatever it was, 57 or something like that. He was so young. No one ever says, do you think it was drugs? I, I thought about that after my friend walked away. I thought, man, I wonder if they're going to say that about me. Someday I'm going to die. And hopefully I'll look as good as I do right now. My upper body is growing like a weed. The best thing that ever happened to my upper body was hurting my leg, <laughs> my, my foot. Um, but I wonder if people are going to go, oh, you think it was drugs? It's funny because when we look the way we look in this superhuman nation, I guess people expect us to live forever because we look like this. But we die of the same problems that people who who don't train as hard as we do die. Sometimes there's inherited anomalies with our bodies. You know, we don't know. Sometimes you don't know. When you're, when you're as healthy as we are and you go to the doctor and your doctor goes, damn, there's nothing wrong with you, and you go home, there still could be an aneurysm growing, you know, in your brain. There still could be, uh, you know, a problem with your heart that's not showing up because your heart's so strong. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that kill people today, and, and they're indiscriminate of whether you train hard and you eat, you know, a ketogenic diet, you know. It's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a striking phenomenon to me that when an average person dies, no one ever says, unless, unless they know the person, like, oh, this guy's out doing cocaine every night with whores. Yeah. You know, he had a heart attack. Oh, it was the cocaine. But no one ever says when the average person passes away, you think it was drugs. But as soon as they see someone that's hypermuscular and fit, they immediately assume, like, this person wouldn't have died. Um, if if they weren't using drugs and fit people die just like unfit people died you know just sometimes reasons that were unforeseen and they just happened could be a blood clot traveled to the heart and it doesn't and and, and I have friends who've had blood clots that didn't use anabolic steroids i mean so it's i'm i'm sad that clint is gone because clint uh was a a, a longtime friend of this show and he will be missed. And I even said to Elisa, you know, I haven't seen him posting lately. You know, I, he always was posting. I think the last time I saw him post was sometime in early August. I was thinking, I was thinking, gee, I think the last time. I, so we don't know what he had and what happened to him. I just hope that when people who know Clint um, learn that he's passed away, that they treat him with the same respect and reverence that you would an unhealthy or average looking person and like don't right away go to you think it was drugs because it's not anabolic steroids aren't killing people i had some idiot say that the other day he he, he does autopsies on people and he's he's uh, done autopsies on people who've taken anabolic steroids how do you know
Every time somebody has muscle, they, everybody assumes that it's anabolic steroids because the average person isn't willing to put in the hard work and the dedication to train every day and eat a certain every day, a certain way every day and go to sleep on time every day and do the cardio every day for decades. They're not willing to do it. So they, it, it, to absolve their own guilt of being slothful, lazy bastards, they immediately say, Oh, it must be drugs. No. It's not drugs. It's dedication. It's hard work. It's a love of the lifestyle. That's what it is. And it's really a shame that when somebody who's really fit and healthy passes away of unforeseen reasons, everybody goes right to the drugs thing. You think it was drugs? No. No, and bodybuilders aren't dropping dead because of the drugs. They, they may be dropping dead because of the recreational drugs. I mean, Rich Piana was well known for using lots of recreational drugs. And in the end, I think he was doing coke the day he died, supposedly the reports say. I don't know if it's true or not. I may be repeating a lie. I don't know. So I'm sad. I'm sad that Clint is gone. I'm sad that someday I'm going to be gone. And I'm also equally sad that some asshole out there someday is going to say about me, well, you know, he was on hormones. Like, I would have died any different a death had I not been on hormones. Um, it's just unfair. It's just unfair. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the, I'm tired of the fit shaming that goes on in this country. I did a post recently about a, a statue of Hercules from 300 BC. He looked like any Olympian athlete today. <laughs> I mean, and, and how physical form used to be revered and exercise and activity and muscle uh, because they knew that only the strong survived and strong people were, were robust and healthy. And, and, and now we have to muddy the water with the silly question of, do you think it was drugs? Very sad. I know someone's going to say about me someday, I'm going to be dead. You guys are going to be out here on Facebook. Hope somebody sticks up for me. Because it's going to happen to me too. Oh, well, you know, he died because he was using testosterone. No, that's not true. Everybody dies. Everybody. Nobody lives forever. Okay, rest in peace, Clint. We're going to be missing you. And I'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thanks for listening today.